0: Three. all right welcome back spread aviation why did you just say three and then put your fingers in the air that was weird because you know like the tv countdown where they go three wayne's world wayne's <laughs> world part of time excellent <laughs> all right episode 26
1: of the spread <laughs> aviation podcast welcome back uh i'm matt i'm rob and we're gonna pick right back where we left off uh about 10 to 15 minutes before the previous episode ended where we
0: were discussing Oshkosh. So, Rob, you had literally... four people, how long are they going to wait between 25 and 26? We're going to post, them at, the we sa- gonna post make... them at the same time. We're going to post them at the same time? Yeah, same time. That seems naughty. All good. right, fine. We'll we'll make them wait. For those fast. of you whose iTunes or whatever your podcast app is plays the most recent episode first, go back and download and listen to episode 25 oh, if you haven't already done so. That's true. This is, this is your warning. Otherwise, you'll be like, "Why are they talking out of order? This is so weird. What's wrong with these guys?" Eight hours bottled a podcast, <laughs> dude. We have to get those t-shirts. Eight hours bottled, bottled to podcast. a podcast. Yes. Oh man, I feel bad because uh, yes. uh, was it Scooter Yokes got his uh, got his. Uh, oh man, why can't I think of the name of the alcohol now? He's he pushes a. Dang it! Ugh. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Eight hours bottled a podcast. Oh, I'm I drinking to, coffee, and I, it's not making I don't my want brain a work like that.
1: All right, so uh, Rob, you were talking about how you had you had just gotten the the, the day negative one plane parked. You were at day negative one. You were there on
0: Sunday, Monday now, and now Monday, Monday. Yep, Monday was kind of my day to walk around the show a little bit. There weren't a ton of people there yet. A lot had still been been delayed due to the weather and, and just did not make it in. And even I was one of the, I think I made it in Sunday night an hour before they shut down arrivals because the place was still kind of a swamp and they didn't have any more room and a lot of people had to divert uh, to other airports, uh, Appleton and Fond du Lac and, and uh, whatever else was, was in the area. And, and they made the overflow uh, airports do some work. And We're good friends with the EAA events coordinator and talking with her, she said they had to displace 18,000 campers because the place was just a swamp. I mean, they got they got five inches of rain in 24 hours Uh, I think it was just on Friday afternoon alone, there were airplanes like M-0A and Fly8MA. Their airplanes were damaged at Appleton, you know, the violence of the storms that went through. There was just a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. Was there
1: a tornado actually at Oshkosh?
0: A tornado, not at Oshkosh, but in Appleton, the town that we were staying. And half the town was out of power. We were driving around on, I think it was Wednesday morning. Uh, trying to get some errands done and there were there were still trees down in the middle of the road and roads closed and and half of the town was out of power the 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 stores didn't get restocked like they they lost a bunch of like uh, produce and and uh cold items because of the refrigerators and freezers were all, like and it was bad it was bad so they had that really violent weather that went through and then I was dodging the same stuff as it moved across the country on my way there so is pretty much everybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was very bad weather and a lot of the planes, like I would say that this was a sparse, uh, airplane wise Oshkosh. They didn't have as many as they have had in the past. Um, but that doesn't mean that it still wasn't a big show. Just, you know, it, a lot of people attended and Monday was insane. Um, is it was, it's Monday is free locals day. So anybody who's an Oshkosh resident, they get into the show for free and traffic was nuts. I sat in traffic for two hours. I wanted to get there at 8 a.m. And I got in at 10 Um, and felt really bad because I was there to, to help take care of the airplanes and help the extra guys out. But uh, couldn't, couldn't pull that off. Also, I didn't have the same parking pass that they did so they could get right into the show and I had to still go to the, to the, uh, the public lots. Um, so after two laps around trying to find a parking spot, finally got in. Um, but then I basically walked around the show on, on Monday and shook hands with people and met, met with folks that were there and took photos and videos and, and, uh, kind of got the lay of the land a little bit, but still only saw a little bit of the show as well as helping to put decals on the airplane and clean and, and, uh, and do things like that. So. Monday, well, mainly a lot of walking around, watched the Blue Angels do a flyby, which was cool.
1: Decals on the plane, the spread aviation logo on the plane.
0: Yep, the spread aviation logo, yep. the Southeast Aerosports logo, and the uh, Northwestern Insurance logo, which all these decals were printed out by the owner of the aircraft. Like He not only let me fly his airplane out there and pay for gas and everything, but he also printed out the vinyl logos to put on the airplane and he's like yeah i'm probably going to take the other ones off but you know, I'll, I'll, i like spread i'm going to leave them on i'm like that's cool Nice. so you know we'll have advertising on there but like we we were so fortunate and lucky and and frankly blessed to to meet the people that we've met and to have the interactions we've had with them and, and for them to help us out like that it's just really huge and and i can't say a big enough thank you to to everybody um because I mean really everything that that's the reason you're even listening to a podcast is it's because of, of these people. I mean mm-hmm. the, the fact that I even mm-hmm. have the opportunity to do this is is because of these people. So in fact you were there for almost a week. I was there a whole week. Yeah. I was there Sunday to Sunday. That's true actually, yeah. So now Monday and Tuesday Your w- sunburn was intense. Oh, it was epic. I loved it.
1: <laughs> Such a bad sunburn.
0: So, you know, I was I was rocking the blue t-shirt on Monday and then after that it was it was the white shirts the white polos and frankly the the weather was perfect monday yep. tuesday yep it was cool it wasn't humid it was like mid 70s mm-hmm. uh it was great and then as the week went on it got hotter and more humid and things like that but still you know it was it was excellent
1: so tell us about tuesday and wednesday uh before i got there so i got there wednesday night what what happened Tuesday Wednesday with you?
0: I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I I know that I did a ton of running around,
1: <laughs> walked around, met people,
0: but I I didn't really leave the blowing, Boeing Plaza area. Like it, yep. it was, there Boeing was that Plaza. much networking to do. Was, just yeah, in that area, yeah. I was in the display, uh, yep. in the displays. I was in the buildings A B C D. I was in uh, those areas. Uh, and for those
1: of you that have never been to Oshkosh, this is something I learned: is that you know, centered around the area of the tower is Boeing Plaza, which is kind of the center of the show. Um, it's also show center for the air show as well, yeah. Um, and and you know, it's just where a majority of the larger airplanes are. And then off to the sides of that, you have a warbird section, um, and you have a vintage section. And so these kind of sections sprawl off of that. But but Boeing Plaza is kind of the center of the of the show, and probably where I spent most of my time as well. Yeah. And- yeah.
0: And you can walk around there and... You could spend a whole day there just looking at it. Oh, I spent days there. Yeah. I spent days there. And they were rotating displays. out, So they had dogs. That
1: was cool. They had a UPS 747 when I got there. Then that left.
0: Which it didn't show up until, I think, Wednesday. So it got there that day. (laughs) And they had just pulled it in when you got there. Um, Before that, the B-29 was prominently on display. And there was a C-5. I think the C-5 was there. After or, it was there okay, after. Okay. Yeah. The so course. the seven, yeah. four left, the C five came in. That's right. Cause he had the break fire, but, but yeah, I mean it, it was a blur and there was all kinds of military. If they had an F 35 there. They didn't F 22 there. F 15 yeah. there.
1: So when's jumping to Wednesday night, you know, which is when I arrived there, it was actually the first of two night air shows. And to me, that was a great way to start Oshkosh because I showed up at Oshkosh and I said, wow, this is like such a huge, huge show. And I was overwhelmed. And then the sun went down and I remember very clearly, as the sun was about to set, it was the, uh, the fighter with the... I can't remember the aircraft off its wing that flew into the sunset in the distance during the start of the air show.
0: Yay. Uh, it, was, oh, it, was,
1: it was absolutely incredible. From a, we've got great pictures. great. It'll be in our highlights video. Um, but just that was the start of the night air show. And the night air show is something where if you have never been to Oshkosh, you've never seen it, you have to see it. The amount of fireworks, the amount of special effects combined with the lights and i guess they were LEDs right the LEDs on the actual aircraft themselves yep. yeah. as well as fireworks that were being launched from the aircraft snakes and sparklers yeah okay sorry snakes and sparklers but to, to i'm, a lame, I'm to, quoting joe dirt here got it, got it. <laughs> it's just and it was it was insane and and it's like you know we've got a couple of videos on our social media but nothing beats actually being there and and i would say the night air show is just something one hundred percent worth seeing if you've never seen it before.
0: Well, and and you and I had been at Sun and Fun, and we were watching the radar, and we thought that the thunderstorm was going to roll in and and wash out the night air show. So yeah. I talked you into leaving.
1: And at, at and Sun and Fun, there's only one
0: night air show. There's right? only one yeah. night air show, yeah. so we missed it. It actually happened, and the storm was in between our hotel yeah. and the show, and it never actually it never actually rained at the show. So they but we they had a had good show, air air show at the hotel. If you remember. oh we had an, we an intense had show, yeah, great lightning that we got at the hotel but But we didn't get to see airplanes yeah did not get to see airplanes so we both got to see our first night air show at oshkosh on wednesday night yeah and it was it was awesome it was awesome it was amazing it was
1: amazing um especially for those those what 15 20 minute periods where we were 20 feet in the air
0: well yeah when we were fortunate to be on top of the yep
1: so uh so thursday and friday uh were my two main days at the air show thursday uh you know Rob and I walked around, and we did a lot of, of of networking with people, and went to went to different booths. Um, went over to the Warbirds, filmed some video. That was that was awesome. And 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 I think the point we're trying to get out of this is that you know we really tried to focus a lot on content creation during this this week that Rob was at the air show and the three or four days that I was there. And and we feel like we've we fortunately have a lot of content, and, and we'll be able to create a lot of videos for our listeners that um can kind of highlight. The different types of aircraft and the different types of people uh and pilots that were at the air show
0: yeah and it was it was definitely a uh, it was definitely an experience that i still can't say that i've seen 100 percent of oshkosh and yeah. you're never going to hit that <sighs> because i got to no seminars I didn't get to any of them. And, and there's like, what over a thousand, aren't there? Oh yeah, it's, it's and, and insane. They start at eight a.m. and they go all day. And there's different pavilions with different things to do. There's a, a home builders pavilion where they're they're teaching you how to safety wire, how to do fabric work, how to rib stitch, uh, and on and all, and all these all these different skills. And it's going on the entire show. And I took like fifteen seconds of B-roll mm. in there. As we were on our way someplace, as we were on our way to, to go record something, and it it just didn't seem like there was enough enough daylight, and really like, I need two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> was,
1: yeah. But I mean, my, I was so tired. My advice for people going to Oshkosh is either like go there for a day and be happy with what you see and be happy with who you talk to and see the night air show and say okay that's enough, or plan on going the entire week and and. Excepting
0: the fact that you still might not get through everything, so what I'm tempted <laughs> to do, and we had a we had an amazing deal uh, at our on our house in Appleton that we stayed at, and that's a lot of people they rent a house yep. close by because the hotels are incredibly expensive And the town. The, the townsfolk they know that they're going on vacation that week that they're going to Airbnb their so house. So do you want to buy
1: a house in Oshkosh and then rent no? It out?
0: I want yeah. to get I want to get an RV oh. and I want to camp on on the ground. Yeah. And have RV hookup and all that stuff. Like that's I actually, want to do that, yeah. and that way, you know, you wake up seven a.m., brush your teeth, yeah, eight a.m., nine a.m. I'll be an hour or two behind. Eat you, some breakfast. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you you're perfect place to go for a run. Yeah, that's true, you know? that's actually- but yeah, I mean, I I kind of want to rent an RV while I'm there, and that may be that may be the, like the lowest form of camping that Hillary will do. Like she'll do glamping. She won't really full on camp. No. And I'm kind of the same way, but <laughs> meanwhile, me, I love
1: going to the bathroom in the woods and watching the sunrise at the same time. I'm a well. You can have a camp. You can have a tent outside. The oh yeah, room. I'll take the tent outside. Hundred percent. Um, yeah, that's that's actually a really good idea. So let's let's keep moving. Let's um, look at the budget on that. Yeah, you know, so so Friday Saturday, uh, Sarah came to join us. That was awesome. We saw the the night show on Saturday night. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the videos that you and I took. Uh,
0: on friday saturday we got the, the p51 yep so we did a walk around yep. of a p51 out in warbirds and we talked about a lot of detail things with the airplane what made it different from the ones that it was sitting next to um and some of the history of it yep uh, which is really neat and you asked some questions about some structural pieces which we're not f- as familiar with on our cessna 172s and Piper cherokees and things like that right um but it, it Let's see, we did that. You went off and you filmed uh uh with an experimental with the yeah. the Rattan. Yep. Uh the long easy. And that was
1: that was a a great uh experience because he actually walked me through four different aircraft. hmm And what was really cool is I was able to interview uh Richard Zato and Keith Welsh. Uh they were over at the the uh home built area and, and one of the biggest questions that I noticed a lot of people asking as they uh we're walking through this area is why are all these airplanes on their nose why are they resting on their nose <laughs> why is there no nose gear we're talking about that's their parking brake. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was interesting and and it was it was really interesting to hear about the fact that it's really a cg issue and that if there was nose gear there they'd fall backwards yeah and and you know just because all of the weight is in the, the back of the aircraft
0: yeah and uh you don't want to damage the expensive stuff in the back. You don't of the want airplane. to damage the prop. And then having, uh, having the airplane at a low, uh, pitch attitude is kind of getting guarantee that your airplane stays on the ground yep. if it gets real windy Yep. as yep. well. And yeah, that's, that's your parking brake. Yep. So that, that video is on, um, will be on our social
1: media and on our, uh, YouTube. So check that out. Uh, just a lot of really good interviews at Oshkosh. It was, uh, it was overwhelming. In fact, like, you know we could either sit here and talk about it for 2 hours
0: or, or we might as well sit here for 2 hours and talk about it. So I interviewed <laughs> Jim Burke, who's a US Unlimited team competitor heading out to Worlds here next week. Yep. Uh his airplane has already been boxed up, crated up and uh, stuck on a, on a cargo airplane to go out uh, to France where they'll be competing. So good luck to the US team. Uh was talking with Krista Paradise, who's been a friend of mine. For a couple of years now, since I started competing in 2013 or 2014, and she's a a, a U.S. Unlimited competitor competing in the Edge 540, uh, and her struggles with trying to rent an Australian airplane as a U.S. pilot, she has to get a certificate conversion in order to to fly the Australian registered airplane, and the one of the bigger hurdles that she's had to overcome is proving English proficiency. Mm. And on the back of the U.S. certificate, it says English proficient, and that's characterized as at least a level four. And according to CASA, you need to be level four or above. And just there's that little language differential there in the way the rule is written that being at least a level four does not necessarily, in CASA's eyes, prove that you are a level four. So they... they do this test over the phone where they play a recording of pilots with different accents talking on the radio. And then you have to tell the person on the other end of the phone what the conversation was. So you'll hear like an Irish accented pilot talking to a Chinese accented, uh, controller. (laughs) They're both speaking English, but they have their own accents. And like, you have to be able to pick up what's going on in order to prove that. So like, that's one of the, one of the issues that she's, she's had with this license conversion. Um, Didn't get to see Rob Holland this year because he was putting his airplane together and then test flying it to then take it apart and box it up Mm -hmm. uh, to go over. But I did get to talk to Mitch from MX Aircraft and talk a little bit about the MX-2 and the MXS and what it takes to buy and, and purchase one of those, build it as a kit airplane, some of the improvements that they've made. Uh, to the To the airframe, since the new kind of MX took over, so it's gone through some change of ownership and manufacturing and all that. But um it's 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 a much improved airplane. As well as talking a little bit with Patty Wagstaff and Walter Extra and uh, Mirko, who's one of the engineers for Extra. And who else did I talk to? I uh, unfortunately had some audio issues. Uh, with some of the recordings out there. So some of the recordings are lost. Folks, if you're going to start a podcast or a business in general,
1: always remember MVP, minimum viable product. Nah, the iPhone camera and iPhone microphone will work fine for your first year.
0: I mean, it's fine, but this isn't our first year. This is now into our second year. So <laughs> I I went out and I bought the fancy stuff and it failed me. And I'm very upset mm-hmm. by, uh, by the product that it worked about 50% of the time and then... It would be intermittent to to no good, and it wasn't until after you know you've you've spent fifteen minutes with somebody that you go and review the audio and and it's garbage yeah and you can do a test uh, a test beforehand, listen to it, and it's fine, and then out of nowhere it just it just goes downhill so unfortunately, there's going to be kind of some lost files from from Oshkosh for this year, but um we'll always have the memory man <laughs> we'll always remember. Um, I had an awesome
1: conversation with Elise from Piper about the Piper Pilot 100i. Mm -hmm. Um, That was really interesting to me because I'm a Piper fan, as you know, and
0: uh, it was just cool to hear about that aircraft, their new training aircraft. Yeah, and they're trying to keep it affordable for people. And, um, I mean, Cessna is selling a 172 for incredible amounts of money. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're model is for that or what they're thinking i mean if people are paying it then they're going to sell it for well that, i mean the the value-based pro- pricing well the problem with with cessna was a couple of years ago when the ceo change happened and i think they acquired raytheon or raytheon acquired them or, or whatever there was a change in paradigm and they only cared about making business jets and they they didn't care about the 172s and the 182 sales anymore they didn't care that that they were this big supplier and that was that mm-hmm. was incredibly disappointing to hear that and i was out at the factory in 20 in 2012 uh picking up a brand new airplane and talking with the sales guys they're like yeah the ramp you know used to be full of 172s that were brand new purchased owners were coming out to get them and and now it's you know, mostly business jets and and it was so it was so strange it mm-hmm. was so strange um but i mean Whatever. Yeah, it's I'm not in charge. I don't know. So it's interesting to see Piper, whom, I mean, they even had a culture shift when they moved from Pennsylvania to Florida. And there was a kind of change in quality there. And I mean, I don't mean to talk negatively about anybody, but I'm just kind of talking about what my perspective was in the flight training world. And it seemed like the support went downhill and the product went a little bit downhill. So, it's interesting to watch over the years how these companies have shifted and evolved and changed gears and 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 piper is kind of recognizing hey there's i'm sure the gears have been changed over the years oh absolutely yep. redesigned oleo struts and tubular spring steel though those are those are not going away <laughs> but like piper is is recognizing that hey there's now a gap like we we can step into this gap and and help supplement this market or, or, or take over this market. And, uh, frankly, I like the competition because it means that prices are going to go down, Mm -hmm. quality is going to go up. And the super interesting thing that I got from your interview with Elise at Piper about the the P100i was that they were putting G3X touches Mm -hmm. in a certified aircraft. Now, years ago when the G3 debuted, I think it was... 2015 or 2016, I can't remember right now. But when that product first came out, it was not a certified avionics package. So you could only put it into experimental airplanes. Uh, And I think the Carbon Cub was one of the first to be certified with the G3X Touch. And from there, the other manufacturers in the FAA have said, okay, yeah, I mean, this thing is powerful. It's proven. We've seen it at work. We trust it. And it's a fantastic, fantastic piece of avionics, um, to the point where, um, I've flown it in an extra in competition and it stays with me through the maneuvers. It's, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And I've seen the, uh, the Aspen products and they, they lose track after the first roll. Um, And they don't stay with you, but the G3X has a a fantastic AHARS in it, a great AHARS. What's an AHARS? Attitude, heading, and reference system. Okay. And so it's continuing to stay with you to the point where I was flying uh, the 200 in extremely challenging terrain where... All the aerobatic maneuvers that we fly, they are in reference to the true horizon. But if you're flying in mountains and you can't see the true horizon, you get a bunch of false horizons. You can't tell what your attitude is. So if you're trying to set a 45 up line with your sighting device, it's very hard to do. So what I was doing was pulling, looking left, watching the progress go. And as I got close to what I thought was 45, I'd bring my head back inside to the G3. And when I was at 45 degrees of pitch attitude, unload and park it there. And I could actually fly the attitude indicator in the G3, and it was staying with me. And it would hold. So uh, I think the G3X Touch is a fantastic piece of equipment, and uh, it's awesome to see that it's going in certified aircraft. It's a mini G1000 with a touchscreen, and it's got access to all and more information than, than, uh, than the G1000 does, or at least the same in a little better package, and it's got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, and you can pair it to your Garmin camera and you can run your Garmin camera remotely from inside the display. So like when I flew out of Oshkosh, I had uh, I mounted the camera on the tail on one of Jeff's GoPro mounts. and I was trying to I was going to run it remotely. I was going to turn it on uh, as I taxied out. And then I I opened my phone up, and I was in a rush to get out of Oshkosh because there was an F-15 firing up right next to me. And they're like, you got to get out first or you're going to be delayed 20 minutes. Mm. I'm like, well, okay, I'll I'll get out first here. But I pulled out the phone. You didn't want to take off in his wake. Well, it it wouldn't have been an issue. Um, Definitely do not want to take off in his wake, but (laughs) they wouldn't have paired us up like that. Um, But – I turned the camera on, turned the Wi-Fi on, and then when I got into the airplane, I opened up my phone, connected to it, and when it went to connect to the Wi-Fi, it asked me for the password. Mm. I was like, "This is not the time. I don't know what the password is. Ah, oh, dang it!" So <laughs> I I hollered at the guy who was uh, ramping next to me, and I was like, "Hey, top of the tail. There's a camera. It's got a dial on the right hand side. Flip that forward." And he's like, "Okay," and he goes back and he flips it forward, and I'm like, "Cool, thanks." Um. So I mean he got it working and I got some good footage coming out of Oshkosh. Nice. But uh but yeah, I mean with the with the with the G three X I can run that from right inside. Oh that's neat. Uh and it has the ability to you can uh you can mount a camera on your airplane kind of permanently and then run the display. You can run that camera through the G three X to see what it sees. Oh, nice. Uh from in there. So like in a tail dragger where I can't see forward, yep. if I had a camera on the bottom of the airplane angled slightly down which is now forward when you're sitting in the three-point attitude you can see that you can cool. see in front of you so yeah. they don't need to and that's uh there was uh would you uh, trust that i guess you trust yeah. the camera yeah yeah i mean it's delayed by five microseconds but yeah. who cares no, that's no, yeah. nothing yep. uh and there was a pitts model 12 out there that was uh put together uh, just recently and there's a camera on the bottom of it that red one that mm-hmm. was out there um and it had that it had that feature and I'm like, that's super ninja. How do cameras on these aircraft affect the aerodynamics? Well, I mean, uh you're gonna have some drag. Yeah, you're gonna have form drag from it. Yeah. Um you're gonna get form drag and interference drag and all that. And I I peeled a bunch of bugs, so I, there was bug carcasses all over my camera. But I did not notice while I was flying any kind of change in speed. I mean, maybe I lost half a knot. Gotcha. Maybe. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. You know, so uh, lower performance airplane, bigger problem. But so I didn't really
1: notice. Sim, the sim. Oh yeah. So Rob and I had the opportunity at Oshkosh to test out uh, uh, a Cessna 172 sim. My landing was successful. Yours wasn't.
0: Hey, now <laughs> you learned from mine because I did mine first. That's
1: true. Well, the reason I, I give you, you know, I give you credit because the the sim, while very accurate, uh, the sight picture on the ground was a little too high and, yeah. and you and i are used to a much lower sight picture and so we assumed we still had you know we were still at five or ten feet well yeah H-E-L, i mean we, we and thought
0: we were at two feet we were actually on the ground we were actually so, on the ground uh right. and that was one of the things that um the the company was there with the aircraft on display and it's a french company and they were displaying it with kent state university because kent state has just had just ordered these and they came from the factory to oshkosh then they were going to box them up and ship them back to the college uh when oshkosh was over so they were there kind of doing it and we met with the engineers and uh the software engineers afterwards to talk about our critique of of what it was and what it was doing and and i was putting the the sim through normal stuff and then stuff you would Never do with it. I was flying aerobatic maneuvers in a 172, and and overspeeding it, and and tr- just trying to see where the edges were, where the uh, both high speed, low speed. So I wanted to see stall characteristics. I wanted to see if it would spin, mm-hmm. uh, and I was an inverted flight, and I I took it through all these different paces where Sims historically have done it have been hit or miss they've either gotten it mostly right or they have really really got it wrong and i mean this the sim did some really really good things presented uh the flight characteristics for normal flight actually very well but once it got to the edges i had some issues with it and i got to talk to the the you did sustained
1: inverted flight
0: that was doing sustained inverted flight (laughs) in a 172 uh which is is capable of negative 1g of holding that but the engine was still running there was still oil pressure there was still fuel pressure and I'm like no that that wouldn't that wouldn't still be happening anymore uh, the
1: nose down on the stall the nose
0: down on the stall was extreme and like yeah. all those issues you know, we we talked to the engineer about I'm like this is this is not Yeah that was great they had the accurate. engineer
1: right there yeah guy writing some of the software and we were able to communicate those things over to them they they were very open to feedback which
0: was yeah. great and now matt your your background in software is is much more detailed than mine yep. like i haven't done any kind of programming since really visual basic mm-hmm. uh but i understand that it's not that simple so i'm telling him like this shouldn't do this this shouldn't do this this should do this this is how it should be this is what it should be and i was also trying to be open with him like i know what i'm saying is not just as simple as Oh, it shouldn't do that, type, 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 it doesn't work. Well, do it, it, it
1: depends. Like, you know, if the software was written, you know, with a little bit of artificial intelligence involved, or if it was uh if there's an algorithm, you know, it it yeah, you can't really necessarily go in and fix that problem without changing the algorithm. If there's a bunch of if this do this, otherwise yeah. do this, otherwise do this, it might be an easier fix, but my assumption is that good flight simulators are not going to be a hundred percent rule based. Because otherwise, you're going to have to account for every possible situation imaginable. Which you can't do. And and you're going to have inaccuracies. So, you know, that's my personal opinion is, yes, you're right. It's probably not as simple as, oh, in the event of a stall, don't have the nose go down so far. Let's have it go down only 50% of that instead of 100% because… That's going to be one situation of a possible billion situations yes. you could be in, and and you're you know you, you you don't want to just program out every possible situation. It's, and not, that's it's the, not scalable.
0: That's part of the problem with with the majority of flight sims now is that they are procedural, they are algorithmic instead of being fluid dynamic based. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. How Flight Unlimited was actually fluid modeled, mm-hmm. and it's the only one that had reasonable characteristics for for flight. Uh, because it was doing its calculations computation based on fluid Mm -hmm. instead of based on just math Mm -hmm. and coefficients and things like that Uh, and and i don't know if i mean that was 1994 yeah okay we've come a long way in computing power i'm just i just am, am worried that the engineers haven't gone back down that route because Flight Unlimited I mean, there's was a reason built...
1: they haven't, right? I mean, whether well, it Flight Un- might Unlimited not have been was built by or MIT
0: or... And engineers, yeah. it was a passion project. They're like, we want to do this right, and, yeah. and that's how they did it. Um, but I think that, that do you think could necessarily you, the code could you was. you spin lost. a plane in the sim? Yeah, it was mm, great. They had wow. Sukhois and extras and pizzas and decathlons and gliders. Wow. Uh, it, and it was like an aerobatic fest. It was great. Wow. It, it was a lot of fun. Can you still run it? uh you pr- yeah you get dosbox or some other emulator yeah. wow but um i have not had any success with it i have it it's right back there but anyway <laughs> um but uh no that i mean that's been a, a gripe of mine about sims is that they get some of that the the stall stuff wrong but also i understand why they're getting it wrong Because there's not a supercomputer in the world that can calculate the chaos that is happening beyond the critical angle of attack. Because the airflow, once it begins to detach from the wing, it is detaching in every infinitely breakdownable station in a different way. And there's no way to really process that. However, you can get it really, really wrong and it's like no it's completely unbelievable but i think that what they're doing is fantastic work and they had a level i think it was a level d sim uh for the 172s model which is like 90% fidelity in the cockpit it actually had g1000s uh inside of it the the instructor station was the most detailed uh, instructor station that I've seen with the most power to create scenarios and situations um, to, to put your students into. And and one of the things and that I, I, lo- I learned
1: something from you in the 15 minutes we were in the sim, we, I it was upset recovery from yeah. an inverted. Uh,
0: yeah. They had pre-programmed upset recoveries. Yeah. And um, obviously,
1: were- obviously any of the upset recovery training that I've done in the actual 172, I've never been in a situation where I was inverted because nope. you're not going to put me in that situation. So uh-uh. it was cool to be in that situation to understand what I had to do.
0: Push. Yeah, it, star- it starts with a push. Yep. It starts with an unload. And it's not a push to maintain level flight. It's a push to get the load off the wings so that you can maximize your roll capability, decrease your stall speed, increase your maneuvering range, and uh, decrease lift's contribution and gravity now to I get a, the airplane back up. I have a question for you, hypothetically
1: yeah. speaking. In an upset recovery situation where you're an IMC and you have literally a second or two to react, if you can't determine whether to push or pull, is it always safer to start with a push? Yes. Yeah. Unload. Unload. And
0: and you're not pushing for negative G. You're pushing to to unload to a light positive G. Just get yourself a little bit light in the seat. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, if you're nose high... Increase acceleration by taking care of induced drag. So induced drag goes away when when G loading goes away. You're decreasing your stall speed, so you're keeping the wing flying longer yeah. by being unloaded. And maximizing roll if you do need to roll the airplane to the forty-five to sixty window to help get the nose down. Uh or if your nose down and you're now uh maximizing your ability to roll the airplane back upright, roll the wings back level. Uh If you are inverted, you're eliminating lift's contribution to gravity because now they're pointed in the same direction. Uh, And that's going to help also protect the structure of the airplane, whereas an asymmetrical rolling G, so loading up the airplane by pulling and rolling, is super bad for your rear spar and can cause it to fail. It decreases Mm -hmm. your G limit by a third. Mm -hmm. Okay, So if you unload and roll back to wings level, now your wings level you're no longer rolling you can get all of your your g limit utility category four point four normal category three point eight g to get that pole going to get away from the ground and that's that's a good thing and you'll be uncomfortable before you get to three point eight g but you have it there mm-hmm. so that you could use it yep okay interesting so yeah the the first move is always unload it's always unload
1: got it And can you do that in a situation even where you're in an
0: upset situation where you're nose down? Yeah. Yeah, it's the first move. Yeah. It's first move followed by a power idle. Mm -hmm. Okay, because you're nose down. And then roll the airplane to wings level so you can maximize your lift, getting it away from the ground. And then you can pull um, to get out of the situation. Yeah, you know, Try not to overstress. It's not a panic pull. But you're pulling as hard as you need to to get away from the ground. You know, and then set that vy attitude, and then full power, and climb out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more to that procedure that I'm kind of leaving out. It's really two steps, and some details. But this podcast is not necessarily me doing a full upset right. ground school. That's, of course, it's many, it's many hours of breakdown and understanding.
1: So much more to understand about this. Let's fi- let's finish up Oshkosh. Oshkosh. So, so yeah, we so Do you have any gym. other any other stories about Oshkosh? uh other than what we've discussed if not can you yeah, tell no, us about the right i home? got
0: to meet uh, i got to meet francois Lavat, who he bought uh michael's uh red bull air racer uh which i helped put together with matt chapman in 2013 uh over the winter and i walked up to him and i said hey you have no reason to know me but i helped uh matt chapman build michael Goulian's." Uh, airplane when Red Bull refired back up. And I just want to apologize for how slow it is. We knew it would be slow when we when we were building it. And he just kind of nodded and he went, yeah, that's why I replaced it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, got a photo with him. Um, uh, Spencer Suderman was there, whom uh, I've had some Facebook interactions with. And he's a he's an aerobatic uh, airshow pilot as well. And he's a world record holder for inverted spins. Uh, recently lost a propeller on the airplane, had the dead stick back in, but he'll be making another attempt soon. So we'll have updates on that and had some good conversations with him. Um, met with the maintenance crew, the emergency maintenance crew at EAA Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. Did an interview with them. Unfortunately, we lost that footage. Uh, due to a technical error there but uh we'll we'll hope to get back with them next year um, met with uh, some folks from the Minnesota Commemorative Air Force and hopefully going to be working on some projects with them so i mean there's been there was some really awesome stuff that happened uh this weekend got to meet Chuck Aaron who's the uh, he retired as the Red Bull aerobatic helicopter pilot but now he's got an aerobatic helicopter instruction school down in North Carolina uh you interviewed- which is insane you interviewed uh, number seven? Uh, Yep, talked to number seven, uh, Thunderbird number seven, who really, he's like the announcer, and he goes to the show sites before everybody, the year before, and makes sure everything's good, and uh, did a little interview with him, and he's a lieutenant colonel, and he looks like he's 12, <laughs> which, I mean, he gets all the time, but uh, did a little blurb with him, and uh, watched him interact with some folks who were... Who were there as well so it was uh really cool to 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 meet them so i've met i've now met uh a thunderbird and i've met some blue angels and and uh that's that's pretty cool and you you uh you spoke with uh, one of the air show pilots uh gene susie yeah. yeah gene susie is i mean he's a guy he's a legend he's been doing it uh for as long as i've been alive and probably longer he flies the show cat and he did the night air show uh, and if you ever do get to, to run into Gene Susie, he doesn't shake hands. He fist bumps. So just keep that in mind. So do I. Be gentle. <laughs> but, Sweaty palms. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it was cool to see him. And this was not the first time I've met him, but uh, I never assume anybody remembers me. I just mm-hmm. always say hi. And, All right. In uh, yeah. one minute or less, One minute. tell us about your ride home. I was hauling butt up high. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty much it. Went to Kent uh, for gas, stopped in Gary, filled up. Stopped at Kent to fill up and to see the new building and to inspire the youth of of aviation and then uh, climbed out of there 9,500 feet all the way to Long Island, flew over top of uh, the New York Bravo way up high and then uh, dove into into Brookhaven and landed the airplane. I told Jeff I will be there at 7.00. I spun the aircraft around, pulled the mixture, and the prop stopped at seven, at seven. zero zero. Like it was, it was right on seven. So wait, o'clock. I
1: didn't actually realize you flew directly to New York this time from Oshkosh. So yeah. then you had the other airplane to bring back. The here. other
0: airplane was in Brookhaven. Yeah. So, so, you, so I flew from Fitchburg to Brookhaven. Picked you up flew the, the extra piper back here. Flew the extra to Fitchburg, yeah. and then the next oh, day yeah, left, and then flew the extra back home to Brookhaven, and then picked up Fernando's airplane and went to. Fitchburg and uh even there while I was in flight I was watching this thunderstorm crop up on the north side of the field like where did you come from uh but it stayed it stayed on the north side it didn't even rain at at Fitchburg and it it popped up and went away mm-hmm. while I was flying so it was just like oh wow popped up squall lightning 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 done short duration high intensity and then over I was like okay cool
1: well, while we while we have been recording this episode, we actually got two new <laughs> questions yes. sent to us during the episode. Um, so we'll start with yours, Rob. Favorite aerobatic. Oh, maneuver? Can't we start with yours? All right, we'll start with mine. <laughs> we'll give you a break. All right, Matt. Do you recall a concern you had about piloting? This that is, is from is now. No big deal as you've progressed in your training and flying experiences. Well, I mean, I. I think there's two parts to this one is of course I like every other pilot starting out was afraid of the word stall because when you think of stall you think of engine stalling and you think that's really bad right uh, in the same way that somebody might think oh I'd much rather be on a multi-engine plane than a single engine plane well to be honest with you man if you put me in a Cessna 172 right now or a multi-engine, I'd rather be in the Cessna 172 because I, one, have no idea how to fly a multi-engine, nor am I even allowed to, et etc. But even more importantly, you can get yourself into dangerous situations if you lose one engine, a multi-engine, and don't know how to handle that. Where if you lose a single engine, or if you lose an engine in a single engine plane, you are much more likely to be able to, It's it's much more likely to not be a big deal other than the fact you got to get the damn thing on the ground.
0: Yeah, and the only reason that you don't know what's going on in a multi is because you got zero training in it. But you're right, it is it, it is uh, right. a higher risk factor. However, proper training, execution of said training. Correct.
1: Yeah, But there are situations in a multi, especially engine failure at rotation, for example, where having that second engine is not necessarily increasing safety.
0: No, but if it happens right at rotation, you just pull that throttle back yeah. and you land.
1: Anyway. So, so Hopefully
0: you have a balanced field, but still... <laughs>
1: So, you know, I would say that is a fear that the the fear of stalls is no longer by any means there, uh, at least last time I flew, <laughs> which, which has been a while. Um, but I would say the second thing and even more importantly, one thing I've noticed is that, you know, when I fly in an airliner, you know, I, I used to have these irrational thoughts, not necessarily fears, but irrational thoughts of, you know, okay, you, you, you depart out of Logan, you climb up to 1,500, 2,000 feet, and all of a sudden the pilots pull the power back, right? Oh no, something's wrong, and and now having training and understanding that one airplanes are not going to fall out of the sky, and two there are very much often situations where you're going to pull the power back, you're going to apply power even in an airliner. And actually, I was flying out of Logan um, on JetBlue a couple weeks ago, and right after departure, they you know they they pulled the power back, leveled off at two thousand feet, and I saw people looking around like, "What's going on? What's going on? Why are we so low? Why aren't we climbing?" And I was just sitting there reading a book, or whatever. And after the 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 flight, I went up to the pilot and I asked him, "Hey, why we level off two thousand feet?" He's like, "Oh, there's a little one seventy two flying right above us, and we had to watch out for him." Normal situation. Yeah, we just right? stop recline. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like it's things like that that you just once you understand how the airplanes work, and and once you understand that they're not going to just fall out of the sky, and there are reasons for the noises they make, and we need to do a, a noises of the airplane episode. We've been wanting to do that for a while, but there are reasons that all these airplanes make noises and. I think that once you understand that, have a more intimate understanding of that. It's 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 a lot easier to say, "Ah, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is." And and you've talked about Rob how how it's the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. that gets you, right?
0: Fear is is well, you say it best. Oh yeah, we fear what we don't know. Correct. And you turn fear into respect through education. Correct. So I think the
1: you know, I hope that answers the question. Um, I think the only other thing I would say is that on my first solo i lost a cylinder yeah you had a fuel injector right plugged and and you know
0: on freaking climb out <laughs> on cloud
1: and i didn't you know i i didn't know enough at that point to, to declare an emergency or anything like that i kind of just came back around landed and you know the tower said taxi back and and you know let us know when you're there and hold short and and you can go again and and i said uh can i talk to rob i uh have a question
0: now here to be honest about that what If you had declared an emergency, like what that may have actually triggered was a distraction. Okay. What you did was you flew the airplane. Correct. Okay. You climbed out at Best Glide. You got everything you could out of it. You got up to altitude. You brought it back around, and you landed. What would have happened if you had declared an emergency? Nothing. I'd have been on the radio and been like, well, tell me what this is doing. What is this doing? Fly the airplane. How's this going? Aviate, de- navigate, we'd have, communicate. We'd have been sitting there maybe trying to diagnose the thing. While like, I was flying. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm not telling you not to declare an emergency. Aviate, navigate. Aviate, navigate, communicate. communicate yep. Fly the airplane. And I chose airplane, at that fly point fly.
1: to just aviate and navigate, pretty much. Right. Um, okay. So anyway, and, and so I would like to... Assume that if I was in the same situation again, that my reaction would be ten percent less than it was in my first solo. Right? That I would have learned from that situation that hey, it worked out.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, and, you know, ideally, they're probably like <sighs> licensed pilot. Had it happened to me, it would have been tower mayday, two souls on board. I got a rough running engine coming back in for runway. Would you take off two three? Mm-hmm. Okay, as long as I thought I could climb or get some altitude to bring it back around. Yep. Okay. That would have been the extent of the emergency because had you declared an emergency, Mm -hmm. he would have said, "Okay, say intentions." Right, and I would have said, "I don't know." know (laughs) Yeah, 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 Yeah. okay.
1: Well, the and the thing is that that honestly, if I had not been able to continue climbing, so you know, I wouldn't have known at that point it being my first solo. Yeah, you know, do I pull the mixture? Do I just try to stay level? Do I attempt the improbable 180 which you know i mean i i knew enough you at that even point high,
0: yeah you weren't even high enough to do that You're
1: right so so i i don't know what i would have done and it's an interesting situation and and i you know i would have liked to you know i did my briefing before i departed and i would have liked to think that hey i was still below 900 feet i would have liked to think that i was going to go ahead into the trees right if that happened and but i don't know i don't yeah. know what i would have done
0: uh yeah hopefully you would have chose maybe either the highway or the river yeah, that's right. That's right. There's the river. Were, there's the river. It's city, 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 yep, city. Yep, you're city. right. There is the river. And as as an instructor operating out of that airport, I was actually eyeing there's a road that is not busy mm-hmm. right next to the hospital. I'm like, there's a place to crash. It's next to the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually true. <laughs>
1: All right. So I hope that answers the question. Uh, I'm sure there are other things that, that are no longer... Uh, fears of mine now that i've done them a million times not a million times but professional pilot professional student pilot worthy <laughs> amount of times um but yeah i i think that those are the things that stand out okay so rob your question uh, favorite aerobatic maneuver and why
0: well favorite aerobatic maneuver and why uh for a very long time it has been the avalanche the avalanche is a loop that has a snap roll centered at the top of it. And I just absolutely love that maneuver. It's beautiful. It's awesome. You you watch it and uh, if you don't know it's coming, you're watching what you think is a loop and then all of a sudden the airplane goes <laughs> and then continues on with the loop and you're like, "What was that? That was cool." All right. Um that's that's probably uh favorite uh, favorite number 1. Number 2 is the hammerhead just cuz it's just so darn fun. Um Snap roll? I mean the snap roll is, is fun, but um, um It's all the other variations uh of the snap where the snap can be done mm. and, and things like that. There's there's a lot more that, that kind of goes into that. Uh but my my new favorite may be the Blake special. Which the five year old Blake came up to me on uh, at Oshkosh, uh, I think it was Friday. You did a great job of that. We
1: have a video of that. Yeah, you did a great job of that. Rob was was talking to a five year old, and I think you know, in a matter of two to three minutes, changed this kid's life. (laughs) Really, you were just so good with him, as far as uh, uh, you know, kind of explaining how to. You know how to get training when to get training and, yeah. and just answering his questions and he was smarter than you on a lot of different things he was five years old it was awesome he was smarter than me he, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, he was wearing sunscreen uh, <laughs> no he invented he he uh, he came up and said i think i invented a new maneuver and i'm like all right well tell me about it and he said it, it's it's you pull up tear upside down and then you push over real fast and pivot so you're upright again and then you do two rolls and then you fly away, and I'm like, "That's really cool. Let me draw that out. What it would be in a And I actually drew the maneuver uh, as it would appear uh, in in kind of an arresty format, and then I gave it to him. And then Jim Burke, who's on the U.S. Unlimited team, was was walking by, and I was like, "Hey, Jim, Must have been so see if cool, you can huh? fly this in your free program." <laughs> and and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I'll check that out." And so you know, it's uh, uh, it, it was really neat, and and hopefully someday. Uh, we'll we'll be able to get that done. And we have to make that go viral. Show Blake what that yep. what that looks like. Um, maybe I'll ask uh, one of my extra students if I can borrow the airplane for <laughs> for an hour. And, or try and it in the go sim. try that. Uh, the sim I don't think will handle it. No, I think the real airplane will. Real know. airplane, yeah. That
1: horsepower's all right. Well, one final question. Favorite moment of Oshkosh?
0: Ah, nuts! I needed to really prepare for this. Nope. Just top off the top of your head. Mushroom cloud. Mushroom cloud. All right. For those who were there, you know, you'll understand. (laughs) All right, take us home. For those who weren't, Oshkosh 2020, be there, be square. All right, if you enjoyed this episode of the Spread Aviation podcast, please send us an email hello at spreadaviation.com. If you hated it and want us to turn in our certificates, please send us an email at hello at spreadaviation.com. And Matt's like, I'm a student pilot. But yeah, uh, thank you for for listening. Share it with your friends. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Spotify, uh, Spreadaviation.com. Spreadaviation.com. More blog posts. Sign up for the newsletter. Head on over there. And uh, as always, fly safe. Take care. Push the button. Yeah. Yep, I'm recording now. We're good. You can also zoom in a little bit, you know? Yeah, I'm working on that. Okay. The scrolly bar wasn't working. Scrolly bar. Scrolly bar.